Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Opinionated Stance. It is our 18th magical episode. Thank you for joining us today. If you haven't done so already, please go to the website. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Also, go see us on YouTube. All the shows are going up on there as well. Um, and thank you again for the continued support and uh, the love that we've seen on all those previous episodes. Today, we are going to be joined by my guest who is, uh, I think he was episode three when we first started talking about this uh, in the horse racing realm. Uh, but we decided that time that we were going to come back and do a Kentucky Derby preview for all of you horse fans. So if you're looking for any of the business and development stuff, those are going to be on hold. We're going to talk horses today with my really good friend, one of my best friends, uh, J.J. Powell, coming at us live from Anchorage, Alaska, to give us the lowdown on all these Kentucky Derby stuff. So, J.J., welcome to the podcast yet again for your second time. Yeah, Patrick, thanks for having me. It's uh, too bad I can't be there in Chicago with you, but uh, staring at beautiful mountains up here in Alaska and ready to talk some horses. It's Yeah, I mean, you guys are just starting to get the thaw, right? Yeah, there's a lot of snow still inside the town and uh, burning off rather quickly. Uh, we've been in the 50s last uh, couple weeks, but there's definitely uh, a lot of snow still in the mountains. And uh, just went out hiking yesterday and walked through a snowpack the whole time. So um, it, it's coming. Summer's coming, but not quite yet. Yeah, but still, summer's coming, May's coming, you know, Mother's Day is here pretty quickly. But I think that's one of the things we're excited about with this is, you know, we just passed Easter. We just got uh, the, you know, the final Kentucky Derby preps have finally finished and we have our list of, what is it, 30 horses that are contenders that are like all the alternates and stuff, but 20 are going to make up the field? Yeah, they put 30 in there as just kind of a, just in case some don't show, you'll probably have a couple defections. So I uh, definitely would, would not be uh, shy to look at those horses that are between uh, 21 and 24 at least just to... Uh, Make sure you don't miss something. Yeah, make sure you don't miss something that could come fall through the cracks. But again, so let's talk about the race itself. Kentucky Derby is going to be happening on May 6th, 2017. If you don't know, it's a mile and a quarter dirt race for three-year-olds. And it is one of the, uh, it is the first race of the Triple Crown. And the reason it's exciting is because there's been horses that have been for six months or so uh, taking and prepping for these different races and trying to accumulate the amount of points that go into it. Um, and that kind of leads us into the first question that I have for you, JJ. Um, we know that there's this like these races that have point totals and they're associated with it. Does the point total for horses matter going into the Derby or does it have any effect on the projected outcome? So like if a horse has got 150 points and they're the best one or the most points going in, could they be upset by a 40 point uh, entrant into this field? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, a couple of years back, the Kentucky Derby went away from uh, graded stakes earnings over to the point system. And uh, it's done a couple of good things. It's taken those horses that are true sprinters, meaning they can't go uh, a full circuit or, or more around the track uh, consistently and made it so that they actually had to compete in, a, in specific races to get into the Kentucky Derby. It's also done, uh, given more emphasis to the horses that are peaking at the right time, right? Uh, because uh, the point system starts out with uh, 10 points to the winner um, out in the two-year-old season and works its way up to the last round of prep, which had 100 points to the winner. So obviously winning a prep race late, uh, right before the Kentucky Derby, is going to be worth a lot more 
points and a lot more value in getting a starting spot. Uh, but in terms of the overall points, I, I really don't look at it as, uh, you know, Gervin's the top right now at 150 points. Is he the, the you know, runaway candidate to win the, the, the uh, Kentucky Derby? I would say that that's not the case. It's definitely about uh, the horses that are peaking at the right time and trying to get a field together that uh, everybody has a legitimate shot of, of being able to win. Yeah, I mean, Gervin it did win the Louisiana Derby just, uh, what, three weeks ago. So he may be a horse that is at that point, but it's not, it's not always like a, a binary thing. You're coming in at 150 points. You're the best horse. You know, you might have a horse like uh, uh, Gunavera who took and finished disappointingly third in the Florida Derby. Still be a decent-looking horse coming into this race, right? Yep, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, there, you can look at – you know, it really pays off to look at how the horse earned their points and where they earned it and what type of setup they had when they got their points, because that'll really dictate and tell uh, how good of a shot that horse has when they line up for the uh, first Saturday of May. Okay. So like when you're looking at the Kentucky Derby site or all these sites to see all these horses that are there, don't go by a point total when you're making your, de- your decisions on bettings and exotics and all that. Actually do some past performance looking up and you know, look at the races and kind of do some more hardcore analysis, right? Yeah, perfect example is IRAP. He's the uh, number four horse on the points right now at 113. Uh, going into the, the uh, bluegrass last time, he had uh, 13 points and had never uh, even won a race. He was still a maiden, so he was eligible for uh, maiden races still. And he uh, shocked the field at 30 or 40 something to one to uh, win the bluegrass, and that got him 100 points. And uh, now he's lining up for the uh, – Kentucky Derby as your fourth highest point total for these horses it's like that's crazy so like actually do your due diligence they got all these races online to go watch them see what you think for these horses and then try to take them put them together some of them have already run numerous times against each other right yeah that's correct uh you know there's kind of four regions there's the New York region um which has a couple of key races there there's the Florida region where it's got both races at Tampa Bay and uh Goldstream then you've got kind of the uh, south region where you get the races in Louisiana and the west coast where you've got the uh, races in uh, New Mexico and also in uh, Santa Anita uh, over there in California. Right. Very cool. So my next question is now that we've got our list of 30 and our, you know, we got our top 20 and we're going to talk about the horses in depth in more detail. And this might be a little early. Does weather play a factor? Um in the race and will the weather potentially uh, play favor to some of the horses over the others? And how do we take in as handicappers and betters decide um, what to look with? I know that we're two weeks out, the weather forecast that we don't even know that yet, but how does that play into your handicapping strategies? Yeah. So it's uh, when it comes to weather, in my opinion, it's something that can be, a little bit tricky to, to handicap because of the fact that you never know when you are going to have rain at Churchill. Um, I don't think that the track favors one one or another when it comes to uh, the rain or whatnot. And I think in terms of handicapping, you have to handicap the race expecting that it's going to be uh, on a fast track. And if it's not, you're going to have to adapt from there. Um, you know, in recent memory, we've had some horses come from the back, but in, in previous years, uh, it's been some horses on the front end. So uh, it, it really just depends on the horse that, A, can handle the wet track, and then, you know, with 20 horses in the gate, it's all about the trip at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it gets to be a crowded field. It's awesome. 
I love I always love the Kentucky Derby because it's got those, you know, those 20 horses. And then it's interesting because the subsequent races, you see a lot less uh, crowded fields. Uh, but there's nothing like uh, watching that NBC broadcast where they show the backstretch of all the 20 horses going clomping together in one giant pack. It's absolutely amazing. Gets my heart yeah, no pumping. Doubt. Gets my heart pumping. So um, knowing that weather, you got to account for weather regardless, uh, but play for the fast track. Um, I think it's good to say, like, with this as being Kentucky Derby prep stuff, which horses are you like? Are are you excited to see? So we've got twenty of them, different points. Which ones do you think are contenders, and which ones do you think are pretenders, and why? On some of these, well, I've narrowed it down to six that I think are real contenders for the race. Um, just kind of starting going down by points. Uh, the first contender to me is Classic Empire. Uh, he's got 132 points. He just came off a big win in the Arkansas Derby. Uh, some people said that he had a really bad trip that race. I, I think that actually what happened to him at the start, kind of getting shuffled back with the benefit, that allowed him to be able to relax a little bit. Uh, but his, his finish was really good. Of all the you know, all the horses, uh, he was the only one that was finishing. The rest of them uh, were all up near the top before they had uh, before they had uh, hit the top of the stretch. So. He's uh, he came off a long layoff. He's uh, he's finished. Uh, he, he won the uh, the British Cup Juvenile, um, and so that right there makes it uh, no horses won the British Cup Juvenile and the Kentucky Derby, and so that is certainly a negative against him. But I certainly think he's a contender uh, with the big number that he got from the Arkansas Derby and the fact that he's really coming second off a layoff into this race makes him a uh, definitely a candidate for. Uh, even the triple crown if he was to win the Kentucky Derby. So coming off three weeks worth of like, so the Kentucky Derby will be obviously what three weeks since the April 15th, Arkansas Derby. Is that enough time for a layoff for him to take and make a move? Yeah. I mean, it's not a layoff. It's just, it's, he, he was first off a layoff in the Arkansas Derby and now he's going to come back second off a layoff in the, uh, in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, you know, it may not be his peak, but he might be that good of a horse that, that he's ready to roll. And, um, you know, you need a horse that's likely raced to be able to sustain the, the challenges of the uh, Triple Crown. Okay, so we don't need to worry that it's so close to the Derby for Classic Empire to be, you know, coming out potentially tired. So, No, definitely not. Okay. Uh, you know, so the, the next horse that I really like um, is Irish Warcry. Uh, he was a $1.7 million purchase who had done nothing wrong up until the uh, Fountain of Youth. And he, he had won the, the prep before that, um, went to the Fountain of Youth, and something happened. He just he, he was flat. It was dull. If you look at all the rest of his lines, he, he's he got big numbers. Uh, he just won the uh, Wood Memorial up in New York with, I think, 101 buyer. And uh, um, he's certainly shown the ability to not only be up close, but also maybe sit a length or two off, which might be what you need in the Derby uh, to be able to finish. Uh, he's got a beautiful pedigree uh, to be able to, to handle the distance and the uh, in the uh, track conditions. Um, and I think that if you, you throw out that that one race in the Fountain of Youth, look at the rest of his record, he's undefeated. Uh, so he's definitely a contender in my book. Yeah, I mean, Wood Memorial's no slouch of a race to come out of. Like I have on my notes, uh, he was on the lead, sat second, took a trip, uh, took far turn, dueled with a battalion runner, then just you know, pulled away at the end and looked like it was a good, uh, it was a solid win, you know, and that's where it's like, you look at that, he got, what is it? A hundred points from the wood Memorial. So he was in one of these, uh, pre, uh, 
what I'd call I, I don't I don't necessarily want to call them premier races, but they I guess they are premier races if they're the hundred point ones, right? Yeah, I mean it's a close to a million dollar race, so it's certainly considered a premier, especially in New York. The one negative I'll say about him is that no horse from the Wood Memorial has won the Kentucky Derby in twenty years or so. Um, so it's uh, it's definitely a, a task for him, but. Um, you know, they thought a lot of him when they bought him and they still think a lot of him. And, um, I, I certainly think that, that if you just put a line through that one race that he, it was bad, um, then he, he's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, 1.7 million, that's a, that's a hefty price tag for a horse. So what do we got next? Who's your next contender? My next contender is Gunnavera. Uh, Vera won the race that, uh, Irish war cry was flat in it was the, uh, the fountain of youth. Mm-hmm. Um, the the biggest issue with Gunnar in my opinion, is that he is a stone cold closer. Yeah. So at the start of the race, no matter what post position he has, he's going to end up trying to find a way over to the rail, save some ground, and the uh, the jockeys are just going to let him roll. Um, it, it was announced recently, I believe, that uh, uh, Javier Castellano was going to be his jockey in okay. the uh, in, in the uh, Kentucky Derby, and Castellano's done a lot of great things in horse racing. Uh, so um, nothing, no shame to be there for him and uh it's definitely something that um if if he is able to get a little pace in front of him and get it over to the rail and save some ground um he's definitely been motoring late yeah and i think that's like go back and watch that florida derby race that he was in heavy favorite coming into it and then uh basically sits there in 11th or pretty close to last place most of the race and got up, moved close to move, moved and closed after the quarter pull, um, and got up to third, but just could not. He didn't have an. It didn't start fast enough to take and make that kick. Do you think that's a problem, or do you think that could have just been the way that that race shaped up? Or what? What are your thoughts on that? Do you think he'll be able to taking right the wrong on that and make sure he kicks a little sooner? I think it's definitely. Uh, I think that was a race he didn't need. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, he, he earned okay. his points in the Fountain of Youth. He he did everything that, that they asked him to do in the Fountain of Youth. And he came back in the Florida Derby. And, you know, he was just a little flat. And it could have been a bounce. It could have been that they didn't train him that hard because that wasn't their ultimate goal. At that point, they knew he was already in the Derby. And sure. they wanted to make sure that he was ready for the Derby. So uh, recent works on his training have been pretty good. And uh, the trainer seems to be pretty, pretty uh, excited about him. So... Um, I think it's just a matter of getting him in the gate on uh, the first Saturday in May and, and letting him make that, that big one run. Um, one run closers typically don't win the Kentucky Derby. They're usually more of a uh, underneath third or fourth place horse. But, um, you know, if things uh, set up perfectly for him, I, I definitely think he can get there. Sure, sure, sure. So what do you, who do you have in your next horse? Uh, J-Boy's Echo. J-Boy's Echo is a horse by Dale Romans. Uh, you'll remember Shackelford um, from oh, yeah. a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. uh, he had a big win and uh, earned a really good figure in the Gotham two starts back. And then they shipped him out to uh, Keeneland to run the Bluegrass. And he very well might have bounced out of that race, uh, just like Gunnivere did in the Fountain of Youth, or uh, the Florida Derby, excuse me. Uh, but it's one of those things where uh, he's going to be leaving New York again, and I'm not sure that he's able to kind of be up to the par out of New York, but at the same time, I think he's got a really good pedigree, and you really can't say that that Gotham number was not the right number. I mean, it was a big figure. It was over 100. 
Um, and, and that's really what you want to see. You know, the average winner of the Kentucky Derby runs 100, 110. Right. So it's something that you need to find a horse that's improving or that is uh, has shown the ability at least to run that type of race uh, to win. A lot of people are down on him after the uh, bluegrass because of the fact that it was won by a maiden. Um, but I, I really think that they just need a place for him to run and they didn't really want to um, send him to another race in New York. They wanted to get him over to Keeneland, which is in Kentucky, the same state as Churchill Downs for the right. Kentucky Derby. And give him some time to acclimate over there um, since they already had the points to get into the Derby. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at uh, his just race history right now, and four of them were Derby preps uh, since November of last year, and it's like the million dollar Delta Downs, so Delta Downs, and then he went to the Aqueduct Withier Stakes February, Gotham Stakes he won in March, and it looks like they've been eyeing these different races. You know, when he won the Gotham, it's like okay, you're going to be in this thing, so get you down to Kentucky probably. They, you know, did they call? Did the team around him call you for that advice of like get him down to Kentucky? early get him used to that bluegrass again and then uh uh he'll be ready for the derby is that kind of what happened well i mean dale romans is certainly a trainer that's typically in the kentucky area so kentucky or florida and so um you know what he was doing up in new york must have been planned to uh try to get him some points and maybe he was a late developer or something like that but uh it seems like they knew what they were doing when they got into keeneland and, and that's probably to get him acclimated you know he probably shipped over to churchill you know, shortly thereafter just to uh get on the grounds and probably get a work or two over the track before the race so i think he's uh i think he's gonna be primed and ready uh not totally convinced that that uh, buyer speed figure is gonna hold at a mile and a quarter but um if you're gonna look for somebody that could maybe let a toe board at a big number uh, he's certainly got the uh, tactical speed to be able to be within range and has shown a, a decent amount of finish very cool, very cool. So that's four. You said you had six. So who's number five on this list of uh, JJ's contenders? Five is State of Honor. He's uh, trained by Mark Cassie, who also um, has Classic Empire that we talked about. Uh, it's not typical that two uh, horses from the same barn um, have you know big shots to win the Derby. So I, I could be a little off here with State of Honor. But one thing about him is his, he's got really good tactical speed. Um, he's not a big finisher, uh, which sometimes to me makes it that he's just not a big finisher at shorter distances. He may end up with a, a good finish at, at a longer distance when other horses are slowing down. Um, the, the issue I have with him is that he has never won one of these big races. Right. All of his have came from, you know, seconds and thirds and whatnot. So what's to say that now in the Kentucky Derby, he's just going to show up as the, the horse that, that gets it done. But I, the thing I'll say about State of Honor is that he's a trier. He's he's always giving it his all. Um, he's had some very, very close beats, and he's always right there. So at the end of the day, if you're going to take a horse that's 25 to 1, you want somebody that's going to be there and have a shot. And, uh, you know, if the, if the trip and the post works out for him, I think, uh, I think he's certainly got a good shot to be able to upset the apple cart. Yeah, maybe not, uh, maybe not win it, but hit the board at least to get you some show money, right? Yeah, he's one of those horses, you know, that's that's low on the points. He doesn't have any big, you know, flashy wins that people are going to re remember. I think he's going to be a little bit lost in the betting. Um, so even if he's at a 20 to 1 morning line, I think you're going to see him somewhere in the uh, 25 to 30 to 1 range. I don't think he's going to be the worst of the ones that are entered. But 
he's certainly, uh, uh, I think he's going to be an overlay in, in value, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's something to think about, too, when you're betting. It's not always do you want to f- find out who the winner is. It's like with such the attention on the race, you want to take and understand what horses are going to potentially be there for the board to take and make those exotics and those, you know, those uh, exactos and trifectas and superfectas uh, to take and round out your card because there's lots of money to be made uh, through those opportunities, right? Yeah, very true. Very true. Yeah, it's very interesting. So six of six, who's sixth on your list? Six is Hence. Hence is the uh, winner of the Sunland Derby, the race that uh, has only produced one Kentucky Derby winner. That was mine, that bird uh, five years ago or so. But um, the thing about Hence is that he's improved in every start. If you look at his buyer figures, they've improved by about 10 points in every start. He's been kind of the uh, under the radar horse that, hasn't gone to any of the, the, the big uh, prep races. He did go to the Southwest in Oakland, and it was just a floppy. I mean, check out the race and, and everything else is uh, kind of checks out for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the interesting piece about Hens is that while the Sunland Derby looked really weak on paper, it came back to be a very, very key race. Oh, uh, okay. the, one of the horses that was in it was IRAP, who ended up blowing up the tote board in the uh, in the bluegrass um and then you've also uh you know just going back to irap like i said he was a maiden when he when he was there and uh you know he, he was able to beat mccracken who i'll talk about in a minute uh, who was undefeated going into the bluegrass so there's got to be some kind of merit uh about, about what was done in the sunland derby uh he also beat conquest mo money who just went over to um, the Arkansas Derby ran second there. The, the connections chose not to supplement the horse seat. They would have had to pay $200,000 to get him into the Kentucky Derby. They chose not to because that's the money that he earned from winning or second place sure, in the Arkansas sure. Derby. But, but, you know, he was second to hence in the uh, Sunland Derby. Um, so it's, it's turned out to be a little bit of a sneaky key race uh, in, the, in the trail. Um, you know, you have to decide, okay, how good was Coke Conquest Mo Money? Meaning how how good is Classic Empire, you know, since Classic Empire beat Conquest Mo Money. And at the end of the day, is Iraq really a contender or did he just happen to get 100 points by winning that race and, and he's not really a contender in the Kentucky Derby? So, but what I will, what uh, I will say is that he certainly got a shot um, kind of based on how key that race has gone in the improving fire speed figure pattern. Yeah, I was going to say, like, one of the things that I heard as you're saying this is, like, if this, uh, you know, if the Sunland Derby is, like, like this, the nexus point of where all these like different horses were fighting against each other and racing against each other. Um, do you think that we're going to see a clear cut favorite or is this going to be a very, is there lots of parody across the field from what you, I don't know. If there, yeah. I don't know if there's parody or not, but I, I'll tell you that there's like groups, there's groups of horses and nobody can figure out who the, uh, who the, the big horse is going to be. I think a lot of people are going to go towards, um, Classic Empire, just because of the fact that he was two-year-old champion, he did win the uh, the Breeders' Cup, um, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, uh, and he's had some training issues that kind of delayed his his starts this year. But uh, that effort that he produced in in uh, the Arkansas Derby was was a great effort, and so I, I think that it's possible that he's probably going to maybe go off as your lukewarm favorite at maybe five to one, four to one. Um, which, which is, you know, to, in my opinion, it's a little bit of an undervalued, but at the same time, uh, you know, who knows? It's uh, sometimes value is what, where they finish, you know? Right. But think about that. Your favorite's going off at four to one, potentially. Like that's, yeah, I, I, 
I think it's gonna be higher than that. You might, I'm, I'm, I'm predicting probably nine to two or five to one. Wow, that's insane. That's that's absolutely crazy to think about that. Your favorite, because you sometimes you see these horses going off as one to nines and one to fives, and you know, very. Yeah, no. You never last know. Horse at, last horse at Emerald last race went off at one to five. Jeez, absolutely crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> especially this early in the season, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's a favorite. Okay, whatever. So, anyway, <laughs> before we get too off topic and talk about Emerald, uh, so what horses in here are you thinking are more pretenders uh, that have numbers that might be high, that might uh, pique someone's interest, um, but you might, you've seen things that are kind of like leery for your sake? Well, I'll start with the two that I think history says that they won't do well. Uh, the first is IRAP who shocked the field the bluegrass got 113 points he's fourth on the board uh doug o'neill has won this race before but that was with a proven horse uh with both proven horses with nyquist and with uh with uh, i'll have another um but i rap just he doesn't make sense to me in this race um he was he was hanging on his wrong lead the whole way in the stretch in the bluegrass basically inviting anybody in that race to come and catch him right. and nobody so in my opinion, he, he's an easy toss. The other horse that um, it, it is a horse that I'm not going to play is Thunder Snow, who is the uh, winner of the UAE Derby out in Dubai. Right. Uh, that horse gets an automatic entry into the into the Kentucky Derby if they want it. Uh, the connections have talked said that for sure that they're not for sure yet, but they think that they're going to come to the Derby. I honestly think that if you're three weeks, two and a half weeks away from the Derby, that uh, I guess we're two weeks away now that um, you should make up your mind if you're going to come from Dubai right. about what's around the race. But also the No Horse has won the UAE Derby and the Kentucky Derby uh, in the same year. So it's uh, I, I just kind of give the shot, the horse no shot. Um, you know, Pletcher's got a bunch of horses in here. He's got one, two, three. He's got three in right now and then possibly another two more that are sitting in a uh, um, I guess they're in 18 and 19 right now, but I'm not sure if they're gonna, he's going to run them or not. Um, it, Always Dreaming is a horse I really like, uh, but I just don't understand what happened uh, two starts back. He basically ran a mile and eighth two starts back, and then he ran a mile and eighth in the Florida Derby, and his figures were like 20, 23, 24 points apart on the same track, you know, different days, but same type of race, probably an easier race the first time. Than it was in the Florida Derby, so I really just don't understand what happened in that Florida Derby that made him have such a big number. And is he an eligible candidate to bounce or regress uh, because of that big number last time? I certainly think that's possible. Yeah, and it doesn't doesn't help that Fletcher is what one for forty six in the Derby, um, and you know that that one win was a super saver. So um, going on to Fletcher's other horses uh, that at least. We know her in the Derby for sure. Malagasy is a horse that uh, I didn't even put notes on him because if they were running him in the Derby, that would be a crime to the horse. The horse proved in the Arkansas Derby that his win in the in the uh, Rebel was a uh, okay win, but he doesn't want to go this far, in my opinion. Um, his he had nothing left for the drive in the uh, in the Arkansas Derby. And, I, you know, they put him into a maiden flaming race. I mean, they were willing to lose him the first time out. And, uh, and you know, he kind of has been that, okay, this horse is kind of good and let's keep him going on the trail. But um, now that he's lost in the Arkansas Derby, even though he's got the points to get in at 50, I just, I think it would be a shame to actually run him in the race. Right. Uh, 
And then Taprit is an interesting horse to me. Uh, he had big efforts in Florida at the Tampa Bay Derby and the Sam F. Davis. I uh, went over to Keeneland in the Bluegrass and, and regressed big time. The one thing I'll say about Taprit is that he completely missed the break in the Bluegrass, and he's a horse that likes to be up close. So when that happens, you kind of take him out of their, their game, out of their element. So I can understand the regress. I'm just not convinced that he's going to get above a 95 buyer and be able to sustain a mile and a quarter. You know, the, the Tappet horses are typically a uh, mile to a mile and eighth type of horses. You know, they can get longer distances, but it really depends on the bottom side of the pedigree. Um, they can also get mile and a half distances, like the horse last year that, that won the uh, Belmont. But, um, you know, I just don't – I'm waiting for a Tappet horse to win the Derby, and, and I don't think it's this year. So interesting, interesting uh, dynamics going on here with like the horses that are coming in there because the always dreaming, you know, winning the Florida Derby going away, uh, you know, one by four, you know, if Gunavera is going to be there and we think that's the horse that, you know, that Florida Derby was just a fluke, you know, always dreaming could be there too. So like I don't know, it's, it's an interesting field. And I think one of the things that we need to look at is we're still two weeks out and there's still a lot to know about this race we'll get some post positions what is it next week um yeah, yeah you'll probably get them in i think it's the monday before the derby that, that they'll come out so you probably got six days to, to wait i think you're probably going to see four to five more defections of the horses that are in the top 20 is my my guess um you know i think easily you're going to see two defections um uh, but my my guess is you're probably going to see four to five hopefully that none of them are training injuries that occur um, but you know, that's the unknown that, that never know going into the Derby, you know, horses like Escandrea from a couple of years ago that had a freak accident right before the Derby and right. wasn't able to, to perform and, you know, his, his babies have turned out pretty good. Right, right, right. Well, I don't think you mentioned it, but did you talk about Gormley at all as any of your picks or not, or. I didn't. He, he's he's a pretender in my opinion, and part of it is that I was on the Gormley train, and he, he never really got better. And he did win uh, a big field in the Sanity Derby. There was thirteen horses in right. that race, um, and so I give him a lot of credit for that. Uh, and they, they kind of figured out a new game plan for him because he was squeezed at the start going into the first turn and had to kind of check back off heels, and then made a big run late. So I think they figured out a little bit about how to ride him. Um, previously they had been putting him up near the, the pace and part of it was that they had to, he had small fields and didn't want to let leaders get away and whatnot, sure, sure, but, sure. Uh, but his figure came back super light. It was like 88, 87, something like that for the, uh, the Stania Derby. And it, it just, it wasn't one of those races that I thought that, the, that if you had a big horse in the Stania Derby that, uh, won the race, they'd be pulling away and like, you know, up by three or four lengths at the finish line. It just wasn't the case. It, it just kind of looked like a cluster all at the end there. And, and he just happened to have more heart than the other horses or a better kick or whatnot. But in my opinion, he peaked uh, at the beginning of the year. And he's just that type of horse that is going to give you an honest effort every time. And it, in my opinion, it, it's just it's not going to get there when it comes to the Derby. Uh, he is third on the list right now. And some of that's because of his two-year-old work, but uh, also the, the win in the Sandia Derby. Um, so it's it's my opinion that he's just he's not the same horse that people think he is uh, overall, especially when they come into a mile and a quarter race. Sure, sure. Now, do you like the do you like how the points set up with the two year old, three year old season with the the Derby prep? Like, there's 
you know, some of these races are early on and you can take and accumulate some points? Or do you think it's not fair for horses that, like like you said with, uh, with Gormley right here, like maybe his work is already, like maybe he's not the cream of the crop, but he got a lot of points early on right now. Like, what are your thoughts on well, that? Well, no, I think it actually works out good because if you look at it, if Gormley didn't even run fourth in the Sandia Derby, he would only have 25 points right now. And he'd be out of the derby, and it, it, that's just the way it would be. And I think that's that makes it so that the point system works perfectly. Because if he did nothing in the Sandia Derby and he only had 25 points, he would not be able to run the derby. Sure. Um, you know, same kind of thing. The one thing I'll, I'll say, though, is I, I don't like the 100 points at the end. Um, I really think it should be something in the, let's say, 70 to 75 range um, as opposed to the – the hundred because if you win a terrible prep at the end of the Kentucky Derby season at 75 points or even at a hundred points, you're going to get the Derby no matter what, right, you know, right, right. So at least at 75, it makes it so that you have to get first to be able to get in the Derby and not second, you know, like the, the horses that finished second in those hundred point prep races has got 40 points. Well, 40 points right now is going to put you into the Derby. Exactly. Um, all you had to do was run second one time to get into the Derby. Whereas if you did like a 75, 25 kind of thing, 25 points doesn't get you into the Derby right now. Right. So you're saying augment the scale, make it a little bit more, uh, not necessarily linear, but more focused on taking and looking at, okay, you got to be a horse that's proving yourself more than once to take and get your invitation into it. And yeah, because I I look at the bottom from basically from 13 down to 20, it's like 50 points, 50 points, 50 points, 40, 40, 40, 40, and it goes down clearly after that. It's like, okay, that doesn't really make sense. Like, I'd, I'd, well, rather, it, I'd rather see people like 83 points, 72, you know what I mean, that they've run. And if you look at 14, 15, 16, they, they all won a prep race a month and a half ago, and that's their only points, you know? So that's the only reason why they have points right now to be able to get into the race. Malagasy won the race in, at Oakland, hence won the Sunland Derby. Fast and Accurate won the, uh, the spiral over at Turfway Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what else have they done? You know, now, hence, I think is a little bit, like I mentioned earlier, I think there's a lot to like there, but Malagasy and Fast and Accurate just don't figure for me. Same with these 40 point horses. Um, you know, Battle of Midway uh, finished second in the Stanania Derby. And that, that got him his 40 points. Um, Battalion runner finished second in the in the Wood Memorial, and that got him his 40 points. You know, so um, I, I kind of like it when when a horse has at least two good efforts and points races. Doesn't have to be a victory, but it at least shows that they they can hang with some of these other horses. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, I think the million dollar question that we have for you is: out of the six that you said, who do you like the most in your own stable? You know, I, I've been a big Gunnavera fan ever since the start. I, I I think it all depends on track condition and the way the track is playing. You can kind of get a tell um, earlier on in the day when you watch the races as to, you know, if you like a horse on the front end and he stops badly, then maybe gets playing to closers. Vice versa, if you like a horse that has always been able to close and he just can't close that day, then might be playing more towards the uh, the speed. Um, but, you know, you hope for the fairest of track tracks when it comes to uh, the races out there. but it's uh gunner bear has always been a, a horse i've been high on and uh, i really think he's got a big shot um but they you know i really am excited to see gunner and state of honor um as the two horses that i i think could maybe pull off an exacta together 
Interesting. The two horses that came out of the Florida Derby. So you're keen the Florida Derby is like always dreaming is not going to be there, but you want to see Gunnivere and State of Honor head to head kind of at the end, right? Yeah, yeah. I just I, I kind of think that everybody, uh, you know, State of Honor, like I said, I, I think he definitely needed the points to get into the Derby, but he also um, he's just kind of that plotter that that could certainly improve uh, because others regress when it comes to that mile and a quarter. Uh, it's a pretty pretty demanding distance, and I think he's definitely got the pedigree to, to just kind of keep on staying uh, and, and get to that point. And then Gunnar like I said, if, if he gets the right trip in in the Derby, I think he's got to have a big shot. It just depends on uh, how fast he can he can make his move, and if the others are, are slowing down on the front end as well. And like I said, I, I don't know what to do with with always dreaming. Maybe he should be in my in my top uh, because of that big figure in the Florida Derby. Um, you know, Nyquist last year came out of the Florida Derby, but it's it just doesn't make sense to me how he improved sure. that much uh, race after race. Um, but sometimes at this time, maybe he's just a late bloomer, and and you know he's he really is he can sustain that hundred plus fire. Sure, absolutely. So uh, before we wrap up, I got two questions for you. One is uh, the wrap up for this Kentucky Derby stuff. How do you recommend people go over the next two weeks of preparing for this race, and then also on race day? Um, going to do their preparation. And then the second question that I have as we close is, uh, are you excited for what you've seen with Arrogate and so far in 2017 in the horse racing season? So uh, I guess starting out first with uh, Arrogate, um, I think that, you know, he's going to be on the, on the sidelines probably till Del Mar. Uh, they'll probably run him down at the uh, Pacific Classic and uh, kind of do the Pacific Classic, possibly a race in Santa Anita, maybe the Awesome again, and then go to uh, back to Del Mar for the uh, Breeders' Cup. But, um, you know, so this is the time of year when I really like the turf racing uh, in America. Um, you start to see some of the bigger turf races at Churchill, at Keeneland, um, and then moving over to Belmont, and then eventually into Arlington at the end of the summer. Um, so I really like to watch both the, uh, the two-year-old races that start to come out, uh, in the next uh, couple weeks or so, and then also the the turf racing before you kind of gear up for that the big um, older horses in the uh, in the in the later races um, in America. Very cool. What about the what about the betting stuff? What about uh, prepping for your two weeks worth of bets now? Yeah. So what I like to do is just kind of watch replays and kind of check boxes on the horses, you know, is do I think that the pedigree is good? Do I think that the, uh, that the horse is going to be able to get a mile and a quarter, really look at the gallop outs of the mile and 16 mile and eight races and see if horses are galloping out. Well, there's usually two indicators to that. One is that they're feeling good. And two is that they really want to go that far. Uh, and not just that they had a really good trip and were able to stay uh, for where they were. Usually I use the gallop out to find the horses that I don't think you're going to be able to get a mile and a quarter sure, more sure. than the horse can get that mile and a quarter. Um, you know, history is, is tough to uh, buck trends. And so look at those trends out there. Uh, you know, like the, the Wood Memorial, do I believe that, that a horse again, isn't going to win uh, the Kentucky Derby from the Wood Memorial It's the UAE uh, Dubai winner going to, you know, going to buck the trend and uh, win that race, you know, is, is Pletcher with his four to five runners going to be able to break his, one for, for 46 streak or is he going to be less than five percent now about the end of the race in terms of the starters in the Kentucky Derby versus wins you know so looking at the trends looking at the uh the 
the workouts, some of the replays, some of the gallop outs, I think are, are ways to develop a plan. Um, I'll admit, I don't usually have a plan until the morning of, uh, <laughs> in terms of what I'm going to do, but I at least know who I'm going to, uh, play and, and kind of then try to figure out what order and whatnot. Sure. You get your stable of horses, you know, you want to take and put some action on, uh, prior yeah. to it, but you got to see, you got to see them, how they're responding to, um, but you obviously don't wait too long before the post time to put your bets in. Uh, that's for exactly. sure. So awesome. Well, I want to thank you again for coming on the show uh, and doing this Kentucky Derby prep. Like, I think what we'll do is we probably won't have you back on until after the Kentucky Derby prep is over or not the prep. The race is over to kind of do a little recap and look at the look at the Preakness and then the Belmont. And uh, I know you're excited for Del Mar because we got the Breeders' Cup tickets that we're going to be actually heading there in person to see. So it's going to be a lot of horse racing action on the podcast coming up. Uh, over the next uh, few months and stuff like that. But JJ, thank you again for taking the time uh, to be here and uh, share your insights. Anything you want to share? Final words? No, I just uh, ready for May to come around and, uh, and good horse racing. And don't forget about the Kentucky Oaks, which is the uh, Philly. It's uh, the female version of the Kentucky Derby, which goes on uh, the day before. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun weekend of racing. It's going to be great. It's the opening day of Arlington, so uh, Patrick will be out there taking a look at some of the ponies. Hopefully I can actually take and make a bet that wins this year at Arlington, but that's here nor there. Again, JJ, thank you for joining us for uh, this phenomenal episode 18 of the Opinionated Stance podcast. Uh, To recap, if you haven't done so, go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Also follow us on Twitter, the Facebook, and YouTube if you haven't done so already. Visit us at opinionatedstance.com. Again, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for listening and your continued support. I am Patrick. This is JJ here, and we are signing off. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye.